Hello and welcome to the Chris Ham Podcast, episode number 91. It's been a little while since the last episode, excited to be back. It's officially spring. Thank God. You know, it's, it's, spring is a season I've come to appreciate more living in the Northeast of the United States as I've gotten older. And, and I'm going to walk you through why. So me and also Jen, Jen, my wife, we're unequivocally warm weather people. Neither of us were, were uh, spent an extended period of time outside of the Northeast. I went to school in the South. Jen studied abroad in, uh, in Italy for a few months. But outside of that, we've traveled a lot to warm weather places, but we've lived in the Northeast. But we want to live in a warm weather climate, ultimately. I mean, we're very confident that barring unforeseen circumstances, as much as we love our area now, we will own property and have a primary residence in a warm climate by the time we are in our late 50s, early 60s, and our kids are adults. So sometime in the next two decades or so, give or take. Now, we also realize that currently, especially having young kids, we have to build in once a year a vacation to a warm climate, the first three months of the calendar year. Florida, California, Caribbean island. Obviously, that's very dependent on our kids' ages. As they get older, it'll be easier to take longer plane rides, but warm weather and warm weather trips are an absolute must. And this year, we actually parlayed my company sales conference that I had it down in Florida in Orlando into a trip for us, for both of us, where it was a combo of work and play. I had a lot of conferences and things and events to go to at night, but Jen and I did have, to, had one day at least for each other to hang out, did a little tour around the world at Epcot. Um, that was a good time. And my parents actually watched our kids. And in, in subsequent years, we'll obviously look to at least bring the older two for, for next year and then probably eventually all three after that. But warm weather's where it's at, all right? Screw the whole, oh, I love a change of seasons, change of seasons is awesome, as an argument for cold and shitty weather nearly half the year, all right? But having said all of that, I like spring more than I, than I used to. That's getting back to my original point. To me, it's still, the th- you know, it's, it's the third best season, in my opinion. It's, 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 a, it's a distant third behind both fall and summer. You know, average temps are cooler. There's a lot of choppiness with the weather and the rain and transitioning to warm. But, 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 but. One of the most beautiful sights is the trees around here blossoming. When you start seeing the pink and purple on the trees and, um, you know, there's something nice about a cool morning with a, the feeling in, in the air that we're working towards a warmer day. And, you know, there's increasingly more sunlight. Uh, and when you couple that with the more moderate weather temperatures, that means lower utility bills. And minimal heat is needed, and AC doesn't have to come on until the tail end of May, typically. So, you know, that speaks my language as a early 40s dad. So, you know, so there you go. Older 40-something Chris, dad Chris, giving spring a nod and acknowledging that this season is a little better than I might have said, uh, you know, five, ten years ago. And uh, certainly when I was in my 20s and I was just complaining constantly about living in the Northeast. But, um, you know, finally... What historically has, has, has was a boring time of the year for me outside of the Super Bowl in March Madness, that stretch that I just mentioned, the first kind of few months of the year, particularly like February to end of March, early April, um, is one right now that's action-filled on a personal note. I mean, two out of, th- out of three of our kids' birthdays are in the home stretch of winter between early Feb and mid-March. Rocco, since we last recorded, turned one last month. I can't believe it's already been a year. Um, and Emmy turned three earlier this month. 
So fun celebrations for both. And while this time period of young kids seems painfully drawn out at times, it's definitely, I gotta admit, it's emotional to go back and look year over year at photos versus even a year ago and see how much all three have grown. It's, it's truly remarkable. And it just shows you how fast time goes. And you know, there's, there's times where I'll admit that I just want to freeze time. I just savor the moments because I know it's going to be a lot different eventually. So, um, you know, that to me is a realization that, you know, we, we just can't take this time for granted and kids grow fast, especially when you look at things holistically. So anyway, to digress, uh, so c- coming up on today's show, um, one of my staple daily text threads, which co- with, with college buddies, the jackals, which I've talked about many times on this podcast, um, a buddy with a friendship spanning over two decades joins the podcast to talk about an assortment of topics. Now, this guy, this buddy, this friend of mine, he's an efficient guy. He's goal-oriented, and it shows in the way that we cruise through the episode and had a dialogue covering a lot of ground in just about 60 minutes of time. And he even showed up to my house, to our house, for the first time, and he rushed me through the, the courtesy tour to stay on task exchanged pleasantries with Jen. They cut off. They haven't seen each other in person in a while. Um, but he was definitely efficient. He's like, all right, you know, tell me about the tours. You know, tell me about the houses. We keep walking through it. <laughs> so, you know, gotta, gotta, gotta love him. So, he, but I give him credit. He made the drive up uh, after his two kids went to bed from Manhattan up to the sound shore of Westchester where we live to hang out in person. I'm grateful that he did because our rapport as friends was apparent. And hopefully that manifests on this episode to you listeners. So without any further ado, my conversation with Jeff Kadavi. And I end as I usually do at the conclusion of, of the discussion with him with a handful of hammer rants because it's been a while. I know you guys missed them. So buckle up, episode number 91. Here we go. All right, my guest today on the podcast is a Friend I've had for the better part of the last two plus, almost two and a half decades now, right? True. Um, my good buddy, college friend, someone who I've actually kept in touch with since college actively, uh, Jeff Kadavi. Jeff, uh, thanks for joining the pod. Welcome to the show. Honored to be here. I bet you didn't think I was going to come out here to your house to, to record in person, but here I am. No, you, I mean, I, I think you're you're not a flaky person at all. I think sometimes, you you, you know, you there there's... I think you have a reputation of like you have a lot going on, or like you you'll make excuses to not do things. Wow. At times, well, I'm, not, I'm just <laughs> I'm saying, it's, it's going to be a spicy podcast. No, no, no. Just but but in general, like you, when the big moments count, you show up. Like I remember my 40th. You're like I'm in. Even like a 41st like random birthday dinner on a Thursday night, you came up. Hell yeah! You, like, you were the first person. So. I, I, well, I, I think I got there before you even. I think you did. Probably. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> Although I think it was, it was my buddy Paul who, who gave me the ride that night. He was at like some kind of orientation for his son. Paul, if you're listening, he's throwing shade he's, at he's you. He's probably listening. He, he's never late to anything, by the way, Paul. But he happened to be late because, long story. But like, like Anyway, I show up. You showed up. Thank you. You, you show up. And I, I, I would have been surprised if you didn't show up. I, I appreciate that. You, so this is exciting. But you, you're actually the second jackal. To be on the Chris Ham podcast, you know who the first one is Baumer. I'm yes. a listener, so you know oh, you're a listener. Let's now, go. Who, who do you think we, we we'll get into the thread a little bit later? Who is the least likely person? You could use you could use uh, initials. You don't have to use full names to be on the pod. I'm gonna yeah. use one of my terms and just say relax. <laughs> uh, you're not gonna get me to start throwing anyone under the bus, but let's let's jump in. 
All right, let's jump in. All right, so how are we doing, man? How's the how's the family? How's the wife and kids? It's good, you know. I guess busy, but I think that that's normal for any uh, you know parent of multiple kids with yeah. young kids. Young who, kids too. Uh, I feel like that's everybody's life right now, right? Who's hopefully a high performer, ambitious at work, trying to juggle. Uh, everything. It's a, it's a lot, but that's how it should be right now. I think it this is it's indicative of the times. I'm sure. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about it. Like, how did our, did our parents go through the same thing? Were there cultural differences between like how the the, the man showed up in the relationship of people who were baby boomers? I think it's I think it's a little on, bit different because I think right? back then it was a little bit more compartmentalized, where like the dad would take care of like the finances and you know the work, and the you know mom would take care of the household. But I think more modern fathering i think is like you want to be present it's more of a joint effort so we're all in this together and so i don't know i mean both of us like to work out uh so it's hard to kind of get it all in between like the work and then the parenting and the the marriage and then the working out so a lot of balls to juggle in the air right it is here's what i'll say too i think this might sound a little crazy but i think the advent of technology has actually advanced this a little bit as well meaning that like everybody, we have all have iPhones now. Yeah. And like, you know, you could have been a dad 30, 35 years ago, checked out, you're in your office, you know, you, you have, have one or two calls with the wife a day. Right. And then, but now it's like everything is real time on your fingertips. It's is Instagram. that good or bad? It's probably a little bit of both, right? Well, I was going to say also, though, there's an expectation, I think, with work at that point, right? So yeah. that you're like responsive and oh, I don't yeah. know if you guys use Slack or email. Like, yeah, we, it's use, kind of, we use Teams. Yeah. Jen, I think, uses Teams not to her, her, her last job was Slack. Right. But it, it, there's an expectation, though, of like responsiveness totally. that at some point and, back then might not have existed. And post-COVID world, I think, has only amplified this more. I think um, people work around the clock. Yeah. And... We, we could talk about the whole remote versus in the office thing, right? Uh-huh. But, but I think people—that's a—that's a big con- uh, t- controversial topic on our on our on our jackals thread. But I think um, I think there's a degree of people work. I'm more likely to work at eleven o'clock at night than I would have been. Right. I think post COVID, having more of a remote balance in general. But I think with the technology too, it's like being a parent. You have the ability. I was at at a a, a private equity event last week, and these are guys that Is that are a like, humble brag. I guess they call it. Yeah, go ahead. Wow. Yeah, I sell the private equity yeah. clients. Right, I think go ahead. my listeners know that. Uh, um, you know, I, I I wasn't at like uh, I don't even know what the, what you were about was, to drop the name of like a golf club. I was, but okay. well, I was going to drop the name of some kind of like it club in the city or lounge. I'm so okay. fucking out of the loop now with uh with, with where we are in life that I, I'm not going to those places. So I, I, I what like catch is that is that still? Cool? <laughs> I don't know place, about that. The place down in uh, meatpacking. Yeah, uh, uh. I wasn't at like catch. It was at some you know random lounge in Midtown. But a guy was saying like, listen, like I, I leave at six o'clock every you know, I'm, I'm I leave at five something or they be home by six to have dinner with my kids. Because yeah. I was used to doing that during COVID, and I'll jump back on at night and do some work. Yeah, I think that's fair game. So. It's just interesting, but right, you're like balancing it. It's tough. Like you know, we want to do we want to do a lot, right? right. Like we're we've always been active guys ourselves. We've been, I think, consistent fitness guys for 20 years, right? Totally. So you gotta, I think, like the limp, the, the time window is where you can do that. You can't have these, you know, one hour workouts like you used to do at Emory, where you're schmoozing <laughs> and you know rushing. Dude, we the, were we were at the gym for two hours. I know. Whatever. I know. Those yeah, days Jeff are, and I, Jeff and I, I, I don't know if, if anybody. If I've shared this on the previous episodes, but Jeff and I were actually lifting buddies. Lifting buddies, point. and we were both rush chairs of our fraternity. That's right. So we kind of couple those activities. We were where... in similar types of fraternities. They were kind of eclectic, bigger fraternities that didn't have 
major stigmas attached to them, right? I, I, that's what you were describing? I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, there are other... We, we, we won't bore everybody with all the other reputations on the row. Well, let's go Let's go into the, the parenting right now. Yes. I, I actually wanted to share two parenting hacks. I love hearing this stuff. Um, so, so, you, so you have a, a f- almost five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Exactly. Both boys. And uh, in the interest of, like, juggling everything, uh, later on we'll get to tax hacks. I think that's kind of something that we're going to hit on. But two Absolutely. parenting hacks that I think really help... Uh, once a week, our nanny stays later, and like Danielle and I do, like a standing date night. So that's instead great. of leaving, yeah, so it's great. What are your what what nanny hours is, does your nanny hold? She'll hold she'll come day? around like eight thirty okay. and uh, to like five forty five ish, and then she'll stay two hours later every Thursday night. So it's what so, do you guys do? What's the date night? I mean, just anything, anywhere, just like a dinner, uh, just the two of us. That's I mean, great. it's still a short window, but it is it it's makes great. A difference. Yeah, it's really nice. Got to invest in your. Figure of investing, you have to invest in your marriage. You and totally. I, by the way, happy belated. I realized this as you were driving here. I'm like, you just had your Thank eight you. year wedding anniversary. That's good memory. You're, you're great with dates. So, uh, just, so congratulations to you guys. Thank you. Eight years since our famous groomsman dance, uh, which is uh, it's still on YouTube. I, I, I I'll have to I'll, maybe I'll, I'll post a link. Link to my that. Twitter. Yeah, we have twelve thousand views. A very uh, that's good. Listen, it's it's solid. We'll it's take there. it. We'll I, take the, it. The camera quality for for 2015 was pretty good too. Yeah. No, I thought I, I thought so, everything the choreo- choreographing the lyrics. So so for those of you listening, Jeff did a he did you you did a double bachelor party, but not in an egotistical way. You did one for like it was a local kind of AC. You know, hop down for for a night or two, which was pretty crazy. Which is pretty fun and crazy as well. We took a, we took a private, a chartered plane there. One of one of our friends, who was one of your close friends, is a high roller, and we basically uh, the Borgata sent him a jet. Basically, <laughs> from we literally like didn't have to go to security. Pulled on, onto the the tarmac at, at LaGuardia. Yes, took a a plane that. By the way, you probably know that Atlantic City isn't far from New York. I felt like we were in the air for 15 minutes. Yeah, like right behind JetBlue, right in front of like Southwest Airlines. Yeah. There's like our small like Brigada small jet. Small Brigada jet flew down there, and yeah, that was one of the bachelor parties. We were in the high rollers room, and, and you know didn't have to didn't have to drop 500 dollars a hand on blackjack. It was you know you could drop whatever you wanted to do. But I remember I won the most I ever won at blackjack. Oh wow, time. that's awesome. But um, so you so you did a an AC bachelor party, and then you also did a Jamaica one, which was uh. For those who who were willing to invest a little bit more time and money, but it was one of the more fun. It was a chill one. That oh, one. you were gonna say best, but then you kind of dived it back to no, more fun. It was one of the it was, <laughs> it was one of the best ones I, I've been to. There we that. go. I'll take it. But it was it was just, but I, I the chill is what kind of stuck out. It was like you know a little bit of a. Uh, the, the the products that are that are that are uh, popular in the area, <laughs> but we did do the groomsman dances. The that's groomsman where dance. that's exactly. where that so was I, born. I was digressing, but that we, we did rehearsals every day. Yeah, and it was beautiful weather. It was the middle of uh, it was January, right? Yeah, right. Good. So good it was memory. January because it was seventy five degrees, sunny. And we did have to do a Grimms' desk for, I feel like rehearsals were like 90 minutes a day. Well, hopefully, uh, I just want to plug people to watch the video to see what yes. they thought of the result. Yes. But second parenting hack. Yes. Oh, yeah. So the, the, the weekly date night is so a you're, great You're going to have to reel me in a bunch of times. Uh, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited you were talking. So. Second parenting hack. Right. So in addition to the weekly standing date night, yes. we almost do like a quarterly offsite. Um, where like our nanny stays over one night, and then Danielle and I will take like a Friday you're so, off. You're, you're, you're so corporate, man. Corporate I know, outside. no, but that's like the equivalent of it. But it's like a one day yeah. getaway. It feels like a vacation. There's so many amazing places in like Hudson Valley, uh, upstate New York. You know, you don't have to incur the cost the of North a, Fork of Long Island. Uh, or no, Is that yeah, North Fork? Uh, we've been to the North Fork. Yeah, right. I mean that's where yeah. Greenport. I know you yeah. love Greenport. Yeah. Big we've, fan. We discovered Greenport on like one of these getaways. Guys, it's one of your spots too that you guys go to. Totally. Right? Yeah. So I, I think it's also a great. Thing to do uh, once at least you know 
three or four times a year, and it's a good cost effective. You're not you know, playing, paying for plane tickets, um, and it's really, really great. Uh, and so it's like a different type of like two hour date night is great, but this kind of gets you away out of it, I catching like it. up. I so like I like it. I, I, I recommend. As far so um, I'll, I'll give a response to what we do similar to to that. So we have um, we don't have a nanny right now. Which and by the way, we, we haven't had ch- childcare for Rocco yet. Okay. So we've had a piece together childcare, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. And he's reached the point at this age now where you know Jen has to be in the city two to three three days a week. My job, luckily, has been pretty flexible because of the way I've had three different bosses. Because one transition, he was at the company for fifty. Well, I'm not getting into the whole thing, but uh, essentially, I'll probably have to start going in more now that COVID is you know kind of a distant memory. Traveling a little bit to clients and stuff like that. So, but so I was, we were able to patch it together. But now, as of mid-April, we're sending Rocco to daycare where Emmy nice. goes, eight thirty to five thirty. Right. And Eloise is obviously in school full time, and she has activities. And we have figured out the carpool thing, which you know, when when your oldest gets to kindergarten, hopefully you'll figure that out too. It makes it big. If you can have some parents you can trust. Yeah. So, but we're what we, what we try to do is we try to do also at, you know at least one date night. Uh, can you guys a, give? Like, can your your parents kind of have them over for a night? You think? They babysit. Yeah. Well, my parents and my in laws will babysit. Um, it's huge. My parents are actually. I don't want to throw my in laws under the bus. My parents, in general, admit this too. My in laws are the type of people when they babysit. It's like you're out to dinner for like an hour and a half. You're getting calls, texts. Where are you? <laughs> oh my Where are gosh. you? When are you coming back? That's stressful. even at ETA. Yeah. My parents literally, if we were out. Like for four or five hours, they were like, "Oh, we're just, uh, you know, we're going to take a cat nap." And we'll still, and we offered them to stay over, yeah, but they'll want they'll drive back. Right. And I, I know it's not far to Long Island from here with right. no traffic; it's like under an hour. Right. But like they'll they'll just you know just hang out here. They and we've been lucky because Jen and I have done offsites, if you will, that have been overnights for multiple nights with two and then now three kids. Right. And they've stayed for three or four nights. That's here amazing. At the house. So that, I mean, so you so, don't need a nanny. You could have your your parents that's our, just one night go for a drive. Yeah, get away. Uh, and and we have a whole roster of babysitters too. So yeah. we, we don't have our kids in with nanny childcare. We have daycare and then public school, but we have uh, a roster of babysitters. Right. So we 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 do most Saturday. I'd say if there's four Saturdays in a month, two or three out of the four we're out to dinner with either just us or. Double, triple dates, group dinners. Right. Like well, please send your regards to your parents. Uh, we'll they're do. great. Denise. We'll do. My oh. mom listens sometimes. My dad uh, will probably listen to this one because my parents have known you for obviously 20 plus years well. As they're well, great. So. They're great. Uh, say hi to your, your parents as well. Thank Everybody's you. doing well? Yeah. Thank God. They're they're good. Um, you know, they're getting older. My dad's 84. Wow. Yeah. Dad's a, your dad's a young 84. Yeah, he's he 84. is. He's young young at heart. But and, and your mom is around the same age, I think, as my parents. Like, like 70. Like, yeah. My my, yeah. my, mom, my dad's 71. My mom's 70. Yeah, exactly. So. so. Awesome, let's 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 rock and roll to the next topic here. I we, think we, we're gonna we we're gonna start business here. a little bit, right? <laughs> let's let's do it. Well, first of all, before we do that, um, I wanted to talk about you know Jeff. You're you're a humble guy, and in our jackals thread, we have um, so there's six of us on there, and we have we we have kind of a discussion of who's the bougiest and who's the least bougie. We are and definitely the two of us, not to, the bougie. We, we, ones. we are unequivocally the bottom half of the bouginess, right? And it's not even related to like. It's definitely not related to like success, which I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of a plug in a se- second. But it's just like kind of lifestyle, the way things that they decide to talk about. True. You know, we have a friend who's on the top end of that bougie list who talks about fine art and NFTs. Another another one who belongs to a very prestigious club in the area. The, uh, there's, there's flying private. I mean, we, we, ironically, we were just talking about flying private. Flying but private, but that was an outlier. A legit private. This yeah. guy's flying private all the time for like a golf event in fucking South Carolina. Right, right. But 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 Jeff, who is very humble, 
Uh, you, once upon a time, uh, and I'm, I'm going to try to remember do the math in my head, but about 16, 17 years ago, you deferred your application, your, your acceptance to Columbia Business School decided to start a business. Can you just quickly go into that? Sure. So I, I my first four years out of college were finance, and I was going to kind of follow. I investment banking basic bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's true, for a couple of years. And then I was going to go to B school, because that's what you do after finance. Worked my tail off to you know get into Columbia, took the GMAT, like studied the whole essay process, was super excited about it, and then basically had an opportunity to start a company uh, with my uh, one of my best friends, Josh. Uh, and who's, who's brilliant, by the way. The guy's a really well-rounded guy. Um, I've known him for almost as long as I've known you. True. Yeah. And so we were childhood, MIT guy, childhood best friends, and uh, went out to Seattle to uh, you know help him out with probably getting a company off the ground, but kind of got hooked. And uh, it was I actually wasn't able to defer. I actually withdrew, so I wasn't able True. to like defer. Yeah, I was, didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, so withdrew. They kept my deposit. Uh, <laughs> sure, they did. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I say it's one of the best investments. Kind of losing that um, because you know ended up on a four and a half year journey with ups, downs, twists, turns. We raised uh, like one point three million from friends and family. Uh, there were times where I thought I was going to lose that money, and it was really. Uh, you know, motivating, um, but also a, a weight on the on the back. But I think that's a good thing. And you know, long story short, it, it all worked out in the end. We were acquired uh, in 2012 by a much larger company. Five, five years later, yeah, and, and turned it into a pretty good return. If I it was right. great. It was for, for it was a win for us. It was a win for our investors, like the people who believed in us. And so, uh, yeah, and then that kicked off another like five year journey where we worked with, where I worked with the company that had bought us. Um, but yeah, it was a, I wouldn't wouldn't take it back. It was an unbelievable experience starting a company uh, I think a lot of people think it's fun and glorious and they hear about the big wins it's but grind. it's tough right. it's tough it's always tough um, but yeah it was a it was a great kind of chapter in the in the career and you and you looked in Seattle where it fucking rains every day for five years I think right? Seattle gets a bad rep I know, I know. it's a lot of outdoor life it's, it's beautiful still the West Coast it's, it's, it's beautiful in the summer yeah which, it, I, which better than here totally but yeah it, it is gray for a good part of the year which is conducive to working and starting a company yeah. um, but I love the fact that I lived in another uh, part of the country that's awesome yeah so I want to give you that plug and even before, so even before that <clears throat> you've always been a savvy guy when it came to investing I remember you know because you had that banking background and you even, you know, you were on, what was it, the Jim Cramer show yeah, at one point? true, it's Back true. in the mid-2000s? Yeah. I, I was, Is that uh, YouTube clip available? Yeah, 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 we should fucking find that one. Yeah. We're going to find that one and post it, too. That was but, great. Um, so, yeah, so, so yeah, investing-wise, so I want to hear one of the strategies that we talked about offline. So, Jen, my, my lovely wife, was, uh, you know, we haven't seen Jeff in person in a while, so we kind of caught up before this, and she was like, she would have talked to you for fucking two hours if she could. I thought it was great. I love talking about that and, stuff. Um, you know, she, you know, she, she's this health and wellness spirituality teacher, works in marketing, and like, but she could talk about finance. And for somebody who's like this, like Bernie, Bernie Broet, left of left. She likes talking about money a lot. That's great. Like, That's lot. true, actually. She really does. I appreciate it, though. Yeah. I mean, it's not. A, it shouldn't be a taboo. I actually talk a lot about money with my friends. Like, we're kind of trading best practices. Like, a lot of transparency. Like, I don't think people do that enough. I agree with you. And, yeah. and, and, and it, it's funny. We went, we went to a dinner. We had a triple date over the weekend. And, uh, you know, it was, so it was, it was probably our, our, our oldest friends in Larchmont. Not oldest in age, but the first friends we became friends. And we've, we've hit it off with for, like, five years. And then... Another couple that we'd become friends with, who we all have young kids as well. There were, you know, nine kids between the three different couples. And we actually had a, one of the more candid 
financial conversations about like income earnings and like deals for the year and like like kind of like you know didn't it's very cloak and dagger. I feel like a lot of times people talk about money. Yeah, and like this guy, one guy works in private equity, one guy works at Goldman, and it was just like hey, you guys make a lot of money. Let's just fucking be honest about it. And then yeah. like so it was just it was more interesting than that. I think but, it's great, though. I think you could learn from people and kind of, as long as like you know, people's intentions are good. No totally. one's trying to make like marginalize anyone. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of coming from a good place. Yeah. I mean, good friends root for good friends and exactly. trade ideas. And I've learned a ton from some of my closest friends who have this like crazy amount of transparency when it comes to talking about these, like investing totally. and stuff like that. No, so no, we have all this transparency around like you look up anybody's house value. Yeah, but nobody really talks about like how much money do you make? What's your income? What's your like and, like and and that stuff is interesting because. Again, it kind of it kind of parlays into talking about yeah investing and finance or everything else and just being yeah. forthcoming and it's, about it. And it's an important skill that and I don't think it, people totally have. Uh, like they kind of people spend so much time earning and exactly. like on their W two. That's totally. like so, but they don't really talk about the you know what could be a much more impactful, which is kind of optimizing what you have and maximizing that with through investing. So, I, I think that's an underutilized so skill. So I want to pick your brain on this a little bit because you know, like, like to, to lift my, you know, to, p- 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 to open up the hood my, on myself a little bit, I am in a, p- a sales role now where I have a base salary, I have a lot of variable income and my variable income has come to be pretty material and that's why I came up at dinner. It's like I have a potential to have a banner year, like literally make like three and a half times my top earnings I've ever made or maybe like awesome. you know, two, or two and a half X, I guess the, the last couple of years. And I'm just trying to figure out like, you know, how do like, what do I do? How do I make wise investing decisions? And it's a, it's a very kind of precarious environment out there right now. So I want to hear your, your take yeah. on the market yeah, uh, and, and your strategy that we talked about with Jen. Sure. Uh, I guess a little while ago. I'll caveat it that my, I am Warren Buffett is my idol. I'm. I, I love Buffett. Uh, I don't have. Yeah, and uh, I'm also what they he's call. He's still alive, right? <laughs> he is. Thank God. He's in his like low 90s. Okay. His I mean, partner Charlie's like 99. Um, but and I, I'm also what they call a Bogleite. So uh, John Bogle is the founder of Vanguard, and uh, he wait, has. Like, hold on, hold on. Wait, back up. This, maybe other people realize this. He's he's gay. John Bogle? No, Warren Buffett. No, he's not gay. He said his partner. Oh, sorry, his business partner. <laughs> his business partner. Sorry, Warren and Charlie. They're like, you know, they've been bus- like lifelong okay. business partners. Right. Sorry, sorry. All right, no, no, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Does he have kids, the grandkids? Yeah, yeah. Right. He's got all that all stuff. Right. Yeah. Nothing's anything wrong with me. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, it almost blew my mind for a second. Wow. I was like, no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, all right, so, sorry. All right, so, so yeah, I'm a Bogleite. So Bogleite. Jack Bogle, uh, he wrote an amazing book, which I actually would recommend, and I do recommend. I bought so many copies for people called. The Little Book of Common Sense Investing. Um, I think it's a must read. You, totally. I actually have a copy. I'll send it to you. I love I love, I love. So you actually recommended Rich Dad Poor Dad a while ago. Yes, that is another great one. And the, and I, I think the guy is a big time trumper now. Or he was. But the concept of it, I think, is awesome. Yes. And it just tells you just how you should be thinking about totally. living your life. Yeah, like having so, money work for you. So, so another great one book, is Little yeah. Book of Common Sense Investing. So Bogle invented, he's the founder of Vanguard. He invented the index fund. Um, and so basically, like what the, spoiler alert, it's like you could read the book, but it just says you should be investing in the S&P 500 uh, with your money. Like 
over time. So you should be regularly buying it on some regular cadence. So uh, kind of a good Warren Buffett quote is you should buy the S&P through thick and thin, especially through thin. So I think a good strategy, I think if you ask Warren Buffett, hey, like what stock should I buy? Like what tips or whatever? Like he would advise for 99.9% of people, it's like the best thing you could do is just invest in a low cost S&P 500 index. Especially busy people like us. It's like what fucking time do you have to sit? Like, Like I barely have time to like write people like text people back I want to text totally you should not be trying to like pick stocks and like you know I think people overestimate how uh, one's ability like they know a company and like you know they'll advertise their wins but for 99.9% of the people they should be investing in a low cost S&P 500 index low cost is really important that you don't want to a lot of these funds have fees on top of that even if it's like oh 50 basis points 1% what's a big deal like it's a big deal, a big deal. and the, the book common sense investing shows the impact that even a small fee could have on a portfolio over 10 20 30 40 50 years which right. is what we're investing for we're investing for the long term and it's like don't trade it. Don't try to time the market. Don't try to go in and out. Like you just, you know, set it and forget it. So it's a tried and true method, I guess. So it is, and you people, you'll be astonished at how much wealth that could build over kind of a decade or two decades, as long as you constantly do it. And some people see it through their four hundred one k, like they kind of regularly buy right. that, um, and and they don't touch it, and it grows. Like they should be doing that a lot more. Here's a question: So the thick and thin quote, which I love that quote. I haven't heard that before tonight. But so when it's when things are thin, so to speak, should you be doubling up potentially? Like say like if you just for argument's sake, say you're investing a hundred dollars a month yes. on the S and P indexing the S and P. Great. When things are thin, which I think you could argue they are now, yeah. do you maybe do two hundred? Sure. I think I or mean some kind of a multiple Absolutely. I mean I think that's what he's saying and you see that with right. Buffett. He's right. like, you know, when people are you know, you should be fearful when other people are greedy, when you should be greedy when other people are fearful. Like that's that. his way of I saying like, like he definitely does that and it's great. So if you another can good, another good another good quote. It's, a it's an I mean, Buff, that's what I'm saying. I'm a you know Buffett's unbelievable. But yeah. if you literally ask Warren Buffett your same question of like what I should do with the majority of my money that I don't need to touch, that I'm like it's you know could invest it for the long haul. He would tell you if he was here, you should invest in a low cost S and P 500. Now index. I have a few that so in preparation for this, I actually found um, there was a guy on 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 Instagram that had a bunch of indexes. Okay. Indices, I should oh say. wow! You're surprising I, me with some. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some names at you. You tell me, have you heard of these indices? Sure. So there's the VTSAX, the Total U.S. Market Index. Okay, I think that's a good one. I know VTI, which is the Total Stock Market that's Index, okay. but similar. Then there's a, um, it's called the VFIAX, which is a, the Gold Standard of Index Funds. It contains the largest 500 public companies. I guess that's an S&P 500. It is. Again, for all these, I would look at the expense ratio. ratio. And it doesn't, I mean, some of these are so highly correlated to the S&P 500. So, and, you know, VOO, or like, you know, if you have a portfolio at Fidelity, like Fidelity has some great, like, uh, uh, indices that are basically free uh, that basically replicate the S&P 500. So I'm going to pick your brain on this. I'll I'll invite you back up here. I'll I'll take you to to lunch, buy you a drink on a time, maybe like a work day. 
because I'm going to ask you how, which ones to invest. Or like you're splitting hairs at splitting this hairs. point. As I think, as you choose one that has the lowest expense ratio. You and I mean the important thing with the S and P is that it's instant diversification, right? right? So like, yeah, yeah, there's a total world index here, growth. Oh, zip, yeah, I go with the U.S. I, I go. I, I'm good with people ask. Well, it's only U.S. companies, but I would argue that you are getting global exposure. Mostly Apple, right? You know, like right. Microsoft. It like these exposure. are global companies. Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. So I just think like people try to get me off of the S and P 500. Like, well, like what about this European fund or this? Like, right. I'm tried and true S and P 500. I, I like that. And listen, I'm not making this excuse, but I'm gonna play devil's advocate for somebody who's who's listening who might like. You know, I yeah. I imagine at this point a lot of my listeners are are parents of uh, you know one, two, three, maybe four kids. You have two. I have three kids. Uh, the excuse would be like, well, you know, things are so expensive. I have to save for my kids' preschool, the nanny, or buying them a birthday present, all this stuff. And it's like, how do we make room for all this other stuff? You do it like just anything else. Like, you, I mean, one great way to do it is you kind of set an automatic, right? You take it off the top, a hundred bucks. Like, you don't even have to think about it. You don't even have to see it, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I guarantee everybody could shave a hundred dollars off right yeah. and it, it really adds up i mean you mentioned something about school i actually think that that's another great vehicle uh, this is my tax hack and i just think it's so underutilized a great place for parents to invest are in 529 plans especially in the state of new york which offers a state tax uh benefit on top of a federal tax benefit so people know and as you know like I actually like to gift people not when they have a new uh, a new baby, not like clothes or not a yes, toy. Which you've done with all three of my kids, which 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 is very. I mean that that was a you know listen. People have, mean well with bringing fucking toys in this house. Yeah. But by the time your oldest gets to be almost seven, which Eloise is, uh, you know Jen, and I have to clean out toys often. It's a waste of money, right? And so yeah. I think five twenty nine plans. I, I do that as a way to kind of start the dialogue. A lot of people, even savvy friends who are in finance that are doing really well, don't even know. Um, but it basically is a vehicle that allows you to bypass long-term capital gains, which is really powerful so that when it comes time for your kids to go to college, you know, when they're born you know, 18 years later, like that money is going to grow significantly. You don't, it's not going to be subject to capital gains and you're going to be able to use it not just on tuition, um, but on, on books, on computers, on housing and Let's be honest. The cost of college, like, oh, I mean, I mean, right now it's probably like you know at least a couple hundred thousand for a private four year school. Why is this going up so much? It, like, like it's, so, better start saving. I don't know. I, I, oh yeah, I know. We've listen. We've done five twenty nine since Eloise was born. We've done it with Emmy and now Rocco, and it's we 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 will we have the most going into Eloise because she's only which is fucking. We can talk about this a little bit later, but she's going to be going to college. In 11 yeah. and a half years? Well, and look, it's all about investing early and often. I mean, investing, it's like kind of a... 12 a, and a half years. A, a no, 11 and a half years. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, investing is almost like a, a snowball going down a hill. Like it starts small and it builds and it just builds momentum. Yeah. And so it's really important to do that early, which is why I always love to start a dialogue about 529s when someone has a new kid. But uh, especially in the state of New York, like strongly consider it NewYorkSaves.org. You don't need a broker to to do it. You just open it up yourself, and it's like super simple. Dude, this is like a like, like this is like a Susie Orman conversation. Yeah, you know? well, Jeff Kanavi is making a name for. I don't know. In another life, maybe I'd 
that'd be a, a kind of a financial. No, you, you have a, I mean, maybe now. Why, why not? You know, it could be another track of your. You're a very successful guy in your career, but I mean, it, like a lot of people don't think like this. Yeah, well, I, I think it, it also defies my own advice. I think it's important not to pay a financial advisor. So yeah. I actually think so. Like, it's important to have like no fees associated with your account. So <laughs> it kind of like. Defies oh, any financial advisor friends listening to this, but uh, well, yeah. I mean, look at a certain point, you know, I like, think it, 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 makes sense, it makes sense. But but I think for a lot of us, a wealth manager might make sense to have a wealth manager. Yeah, but again, I think you also need to watch the fees, right? As long as they're not overly taxing your portfolio's returns. So here's a question on personal finance, right? Let's hear it. Credit cards. What's your philosophy on credit cards? Do you think that some are better than others? What do you like? Is there one in the market that you recommend? So like, yeah. I'll tell you, I'm going to relate again to our situation, not to be too personal, but Jen and I try to carry very minimal revolving debt. Um, we, you know, for different reasons have had some, generally our philosophy is we have a credit card bill, we pay it all off. You should. I so, mean, you should absolutely not be have, leaving a balance that is going to charge you 20 something percent. Ridiculous percentage. <laughs> I mean, we, we have, absolutely. You know, that's well, the first thing. For low interest periods, we sometimes will use it to when there's zero interest to float cash for certain periods of time. But in general, our philosophy is, you know, pay off, like have high credit and enable us to have a good interest rate in our house, all these other opportunities. So what's your philosophy on credit cards as far as if you have to have one? Is there a certain one that you should have? I mean, you you points. should have one as long as Obviously. you pay it down every month, yes. right? Yes. And then, yeah, I mean, it's not a huge thing, but I, I do like to play the points game a little bit. So I think... Well, uh, MX Chase Sapphire, what's, what's your... Uh, uh, Chase Sapphire Reserve has three, three for one points on dining and travel. So I think that it, it's good and you get some other uh, perks with that. But I think it's a justified... Uh, so anytime I'm dining out or like traveling, I'm using that one. What's and then, the annual fee on, on something like that? I think it's like three hundred and like seventy five bucks, but you get like a hundred and fifty dollar like travel credit, which could mean like Ubers or like right. a plane flight. So there, it's not that bad once you like net it out. Especially if you're going anywhere a few times a year, which you know we all want to get away. We might have work travel. We might have. Um, you know, personal family vacations or couples vacations, everything else. It's a good card for that. And then uh, my other card is my uh, Fidelity 2% cash back. So anything that I'm not doing dining and travel, like I'm going to like CVS, like I'm just getting 2% cash back. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So those Do are my two. you use anything off your... So Janet literally was tough money under a mattress if she could. We use... We get paid and we have like a budget for cash expenditures during the week. And we had a, I had a conversation a few days ago. I was like, honey... We should be like getting points on this stuff. Like, I, that's like, what I'm saying. I think, I mean, like, if, if it's a way to kind of stay disciplined, you know, and that works. But I think ultimately, yeah. I, I, we have I, spreadsheets I, with tabs. I think I've told you about showing yeah. you some of these. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious at what your thoughts yeah. are on that. I mean, I, I think you should, right? I don't use cash for like that much. So right. you might as well accumulate the points. I mean, you get 2% cash back for all of these, like any purchase. What about, you see a lot of people, and maybe this is a little basic bitch, people that throw around the Amex Platinum card. That's like our, our demographic is like, that's where, that's where it comes out. I mean, yeah. I mean, some people get it uh, through work. And I, I used to have it, uh, and it's a little bit like overlap with the reserve with card. The reserve. But there, there's some, yeah, I mean, whatever. Is, any, is, is it kind of a like? for like with the reserve card or is yeah I, I would i don't think that it makes sense to have both like personally so it's yeah, i think it's one, one or the, the other. other yeah okay. yeah right. so it's reserve card and a, and a cash back card all right i like that this is yeah. this is good all right let's um why don't to, we spice it up man let's go to politics well we're, we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna go to politics all right at the start of the pod you choreographed the dance of your wedding the big time you were you were ahead of the curve 
in, in the 2023 equivalent of that is TikTok. You are a big TikToker. That's true. I think TikTok, I mean, you're not on it, are you? No, man. Dude, fucking, I'm, I'm 41, almost 42 years old, as are you. So oh, wait, relax, are, first of all. We okay. are millennials on the cusp of Gen X, so it is it is um, very, probably atypical. Uh, not much of our demographic is on. Some are. I'm not saying people aren't, but tell me on the benefits of TikTok. Well, I guess I have to I have to caveat it with uh, I get that there is definitely like a a bear case on TikTok. The Chinese government and they own it. <laughs> they're probably you know Recording videos spying on us. Yeah. They're taking all of our data. I yeah. fully acknowledge that. Okay. And for anyone who doesn't want to use TikTok for that reason, totally what respect are they that. What do deal with it though? I mean, who knows? Uh, but I, some people don't want to find out. Okay. Um, but I mean, for me, I think it came up like during the pandemic, like it just became like a fun little thing to do. I have nieces and nephews that are kind of at the TikTok age, okay. kind of like, you know, 10 to 15. You kind of have these what they call trends. So like little dances um, and it kind of becomes like a fun little interactive thing. You know, um, like a little an interactive activity, like something to do when everyone was at home and locked. So you are dancing and music because TikTok's used for all different purposes now, right? Because you see political rants on TikTok. That's true. You do all kinds of things. So you're you're more of the kind of fun, jovial. They're called trends. So there's like little trends of like videos that people do. So yeah. there's that. But I will say, like from a tech standpoint, like TikTok has unbelievable personalization. So it kind of knows what videos you watch and will like show you a lot more of that. So like for example, like I love to play tennis and I actually like watching like crazy points from like Nadal and Federer back in the day and like it knows that about me and it keeps feeding me that so here's the question how do you differentiate TikTok from Twitter or, or Reels on Instagram so Reels and Instagram is basically a copy of TikTok okay. uh, so but it's it's because, because sometimes you'll see TikTok it's short term videos sh uh, you know short form videos so that that's what it is so that's, a good, uh, that's, a, that's a, <laughs> so yeah. I mean that's what it is but I, I think uh I respect the fact that you're sitting it out because it can get very addictive. I mean, you could just keep scrolling and watching more like yeah. videos. I have good social media discipline. I actually think I would be fine. That's uh, what you think. Well, why don't you give it a whirl? Maybe. I, listen, you you might have sold me. You're you're a good you're, you've got a lot of good salesmanship, Jeff. I tried you know, to I tried to put my videos into like our text messages to like lure you guys in, or well, I kind of share content from there. You share, so, so speaking of the, let's get back to the jackals for a second. <laughs> all right, you actually, I would say. You are you are the most selective with 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 uh, sharing on the jackals. Selective. Because, well, meaning like you know you're not like so like like we have another person who's the the king humblebrag on the text. <laughs> yeah, he's on like if he hasn't sent a text message a, a few hours go by, you might you might want to send like an SOS out. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I mean, I feel like sometimes you go into spurts, but sometimes like, I'm spurts. in the middle of the day and I see I like look at my phone. It's all that that chat is on do not disturb, and it's like. <laughs> 83 messages like what the hell are you guys talking about well, well sometimes it's interesting juicy stuff sometimes it's just complete crap right exactly so to be fair, no but i was gonna say the reason i was saying that was uh your content that you send is actually i whenever i see you send a message i gotta see what this oh, is oh thanks I, so i'm honored you know it's kind of like the you know the girl in college that like blew you off you know, <laughs> she's, when she's when she's in, when she's contacting you you're like oh i you know i try to be and i feel like some of that content is tiktok so i you know there is good stuff there so you're talking about like personal finance people there's yeah. you know they, they kind of adjust that to short-term video which is uh short-term video which is like an interesting and easy way to like consume content are you a twitter guy 
Uh, not really. No. So you don't follow it at all for like feeds or not like, much. No, I don't. I, Instagram and 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 TikTok. All right. So let, now this is a good pivot into politics. Uh, anything else on TikTok? No. Let's let's go and have it. I'm gonna turn the tables on you on, right. on the politics. Let's do it. Let's you know? do it. Let's do it. And so I mean, let's just start with this oh, nickname shit. of that you have for me, Dino. Okay, <laughs> which is stands for I didn't know what it meant, but like dem, uh, Democrat in name only. So I think for one that underscores maybe a problem with the party that like you feel like you know you got to create a name like i feel well, like I, listen, I, I, I didn't fucking create the name right it's out you, there okay <laughs> and, and to be fair there's also the rhinos okay. which ironically enough rhinos and dinos are pretty similar politically at this point i'm dead center i'd like to consider myself dead in center. the center absolutely i think that um i mean let's just go straight to i feel alienated by the far left by calling me names well, so, so to be fair our direct texture, we, we like to say, like, oh, far left. Far. Everybody's kind of center. Okay. I mean, let's, let's go. I mean, so <laughs> let me ask you a question. Oh, like, I know like, you fawn, and it's a good thing Jen is in here, but you fawn over AOC. You do. Come on. Just admit it. Physically? or No, just overall, overall. Like, just everything. I mean, I feel I mean, like you're sharing her content into our threads of, like, <laughs> boasting about sometimes it. Sometimes I do it to troll. Yeah. We're talking about AOC. We can talk about AOC. Let's so, talk about so, that. How do, you, how do you feel on, that that, that went in, in uh, with Amazon in Long Island City listen, where we where, where they're willing to, like, pour jobs in and, and kind of invest? Might, you might lure Jen in from our, from our master suite. <laughs> yeah. AOC. Uh, two she's going to come, right like, now. with she's a gonna bat. Come, and she's like She's going to come, like, out of a cannon. Yes, exactly. But uh, for me, so I think I get the reputation of being more left than I actually am because like, there's certain parts about my politics that are definitely, you know, listen, I am a I am a person of color, a mixed race, you know, I I'm very you know vocal about policing, social justice issues. There's certain you know guns. I think we're all pretty left on guns. I mean, there's certain topics that resonate with me. And by the way, I totally agree. Yes. Right, social yes. issues, guns, Maybe. like these are no-brainers. But here's where I think I get the bad, bad rap about about uh, my, my my politics being left or more left than I am. I'm a capitalist, man. At the end of the day, like I remember having an argument with one of the jackals' wives when they were dating at the time. I won't, I won't talk about who, who who it is. She was telling me how athletes should make as much money as they do. I'm like, dude. It's fucking. It's it's just like supply and demand economics. Like, what do you want? You want to cap them at their money? Like, they deserve to to earn that. Like, why can't they earn that money? But to be fair, though, sometimes that's in contrast with the far left. Of, it is. Yeah, I agree. I am a hundred percent carrying capitalist, just like Buffett. That's what he often says. I'm a says. feminist. I'll say I'm. A, I am a feminist for sure. I think there's a lot of like fucked up shit. There's loopholes. There's tax advantage. You know, people that are rich get richer. That's the part where with the AOC stuff, where I think she illuminates that better than a lot of politicians. I think. Getting back to your question about Amazon, I think some of her messaging is choppy. I think also she. she I mean, that's just messaging the policy, no? What what policies of hers? Do you, do well, you I mean, like I mean, was, there are some. I'm not going to tell you that. Like, if you want to bring up stuff, right. I'll probably go through some and I'll probably agree. Right. With I you. mean, even in that case, I mean, she was basically. I mean, I don't think that they were doing anything illegal. I think that I they were. There were incentives. I think, bad, I think that was a bad move by her to do that. I think that was like you know trying to play to this overly populist rhetoric. And narrative. So I don't think that that's so. Just so you know, yeah. I don't support what she did there. Okay, at all. fair. Well, that's a and, big statement. And I'm sure she, you know, a general kind of be like, well, this is why it's fucked up. No, I think it would have gone a long way to have Amazon and Long Island State. That's not, you know, sometimes they feel like in the party, I'm going to be critical of her. She targets people in the party that she shouldn't target. Right. She targets like even people in the center or the right that like she shouldn't target. Like you have to, 
you have to understand how to play the game, and I think it's at times. Well, no, I think she's playing it. I mean, she she's like raising her own profile. Some of the things I think she's doing I to kind of create these I, clips, and I do think though that she genuinely feels as she feels. I think sometimes it's a little too um, idealistic. But I think also you're saying you're capitalist. I think at times like the far left is at odds with capitalism. Like right now, like oh, like you can't. They shouldn't be able to do stock buybacks and stuff like that. I think that if you ask Warren Buffett, like you know, that's how this. I don't is- agree with. That. I I I don't agree that you shouldn't be able to do stock buybacks at all. Right. And, but like I will say, I do think. The narrative I'm socially liberal, fiscally conservative, in general, and this is general, general probably just probably mad listening to the first part of this. That's just gonna be like, all right, fine. Like, I think that it, it's kind of a bullshit narrative because I think ultimately, like, where do you, where do you, do, like, what do you do with your money? What do you do with, like, like, how do you prioritize? Do you prioritize on education, social justice, things like that, or do you want to cut taxes? I mean, cut taxes for people. And listen, like, like, I'm a high earner. You're a high earner. A lot of our friends, people that we know, are high earners. So I don't benefit at all from getting taxed higher. But I think there's there's a, there's a and listen. I don't want to see my taxes go up from where they are now. Sometimes it's like this is bullshit. Like for, like like I'm not. But I I do think that there is a fiscal priority issue when it comes to taxes that where I support more of a left leaning skew there. Okay, fair. Let's let's get into the spiciness of the next election. I mean, like, what do you do you think that Biden is going to get still reelected? Table, still turning the tables on me here? No, I'm just yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I, I actually th- yeah. What, what do you think? Well, no, go ahead. You start. I don't think he should run again. I I I think that's gonna that's off the table. I think from what I understand, I don't think he's not gonna Dude, run. He's fucking old as shit. Very old, and he, and he's like a meme for the people on the on the. By the way, the you're right. throwing a lot of profanities into I this. I know. Listen, this is there's a there's an explicit rating here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I curse like a sailor. I'm not. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm being I, feisty tonight, clean, Chris. To keep it clean, you can. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe it's, maybe it's the, uh, the 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 spirit I have to my right over here. But so what do you think? I mean, do you think so? Assuming he runs, do you think he'll win? Uh, <sighs> No, man. Assuming really it's a non-Trump know. candidate on the Republican well, side, so does that mean DeSantis? Because I, I think, like, like, do you think there's somebody that's going to emerge other than DeSantis? Or Trump? So yeah, maybe let's just say hypothetically, it's like a DeSantis and Nikki Haley VP. Like, do you think? Forget about what you want, okay? But like, do you think that Biden could beat that ticket? I think he could. I would put the odds lower than fifty percent. Okay, so you think that Biden would would lose into that? Lose. And do you think that Trump will be the nominee? I know. No. You don't think he I don't. will? I, I actually think he's a joke. For, like a lot of people on the right now are like kind of tired of his rhetoric. But I think though the people that support him love him. Agree, but he got his ass kicked in the last election. Like, in the not, general like, election, but into the... But even it, in the primary. Like do you think that the like the loyalists are going to defect from him? Uh, like No, I don't. But I, I don't think the people that didn't vote for him are going to be like, you know what, this guy's a good idea. Like I think right. people see the divisiveness. They see a lot of the like these fucking police police forces that are coming out and saying that we have to, you know, assassinate all people of color and using the N-word and this and that. Like, that's just coming out in police, like, literally, like, people high up in police ranks. It's right. like, I don't know what percentage is a high percentage of people in the in the U- U.S. that are cops that are white supremacist, white, in white supremacist organizations. Like, there's a part of the Republicans that, like, are like, I don't want to fucking be a part of that. Okay, so you think Trump doesn't make it out of the, the Republican, to the ballot, um, and it'll be, let's say, potentially a DeSantis against a Biden, and in that situation, coin toss, basically. I think it's a coin toss, and I think DeSantis is fucking dangerous. I think he's as, as dangerous in terms of what he wants to do. You look at the stuff he did, his LGBT, look at what he's doing in Florida with, like, a lot of, like, you know, getting rid of black fraternities and sororities and Asian fraternities and sororities, and, like, the like some of that stuff is kind of, it's like white supremacist shit, but he does it 
with a, a little bit more subtle subtlety and nuance. I can't. I, honestly, I haven't. I actually am like relieved that I haven't really talked politics like I know, in like the last. That's the like, nice thing about Biden. So if people want to talk, like I'm less angry the last you know yeah. two, two and a half years than yeah. I was before that. I agree. So so there's something to that. But so I do. Agree. What do you think? I mean, I do think Biden is very old, right? He's like old, man. most people, like who are applying, He's 80 this year, right? So next then that means 81. by the, the, his next term would be like 81 or 82 yeah, to 85, like 86. No offense, I know your dad's in that in that range but your dad but is no is but anomaly. i mean yeah i mean if my dad's applying to corporate america for jobs i mean like most people are not hiring someone at that because you're probably not doing like your sharpest like thinking yeah, and like you know but, but like but like what's the what's the knock on like what's the knock on by what are people like, like fucking, it was gas prices for a while but now gas prices have kind of stabilized like like the economy, you can't put the fucking economy on his shoulders like he's pulling a lever somewhere. So what's the knock on him? That he sniffs people's hair? Well, I mean, I think that the age, like, is his like logic, yes. like sound, and I think also he's a candidate that I don't, I don't know. People just get excited about, they, like they they don't, and, <laughs> but but they did it in twenty twenty either. Right. right. So I think it was for that. It was like the not Trump vote. Right. The so vote, but yeah. I think that if there is a stronger Republican candidate that more people kind of get behind, they could definitely win the presidential election. I think if there was a guy like Mitt Romney, I know Mitt Romney's kind of old in his own in his own right. If there's a guy like that. I think he would he would win easily in an election against Biden. If it wasn't DeSantis or Trump. Now, I think Trump. The likely, if Trump was the, no, the nominee, I don't know that he would win. But Trump's fucking as old, practically as old as Biden. Was he three years younger? He's a little bit younger. Seems yeah. less healthy. But I feel like he comes off as not as old as Biden. He doesn't. You know? He doesn't. A lot of it's his rhetoric and everything else. But the guy is a fucking, he's a, I mean, like, he's dangerous. You, you got to admit, he's, I, I know. I'm over Trump. We don't need to even, are you talking about Trump in yeah, general? Trump. Yeah. I mean, today, I think, was he arrested in the end? I don't know. Oh. Who cares? But it's yeah. like. How divisive he was, the whole insurrection shit. I mean, you can't have a fucking guy run to the country like that. Yeah, I mean, you just can't. I, I would much rather see a cent, more center kind Listen, of. Listen, I'd be okay. I'd be okay with the center. And frankly, Biden is pretty centered in, in his in his like like for he's not as left as he gets painted, in my opinion. Well, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think we'll. Uh Time will tell. I think we're going right, to so, start so, the election. We got two more so who topics are you voting here. For? Who are you voting for? Before we get to show the me who the candidate is. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I want to see who the candidate is on on both so, sides of the ballot. And I actually don't know DeSantis or Nikki Haley or whoever else it is. But you know, I before mean, before we move on to the other topics, I yeah, know, I know we're we, we're at, we're at a little bit of a time crunch. But um, before we move on to the other topics, so in general, so you're Persian, yes. All right, you. Live it so I don't so you you not you don't live in a Persian community right now, but you probably are going to settle there at some point. I would I would imagine. Okay, well like Iran, no, not, not Iran, <laughs> but like uh, suburban areas. Okay, your, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but like you have a lot of people in the Persian community tend to lean right and lean Trump. Yeah, what's what's their political like? Where are they at now politically? I think that not, if for the people who are like staunch Trump, I don't think anything's changed. I think that they more align to kind of conservative policies. I think I think they have some ammo because I think they look at the left, the far left, and they see some of these uh, candidates like woke culture, and so I think they're able to attack that. And then also, I think woke is a bad marketing term, but I think if you frame it differently, I think it's hard to to poke holes in. Yeah, and and so I think that they gravitate towards that. I think a lot of 
I don't know. I think a lot of us are impacted by like whatever media we're consuming. So right. the people who are consuming, you know, CNN versus Fox News. Like, I mean, again, I don't know much about DeSantis, but I think you have a narrative about him, yeah, about his like white. I mean, whatever it is, like I would question like, you know, how much of that is shaped by like whatever media that you're consuming you're right. that you shaped watch, that. You, you're right. You could watch it. Look at the policy. But well, what is he like? Well, I, I'd want to know. Right. Yeah. I think that because I've heard some other objective people that, you know, practical have said, you know, some of the good things he's done in Florida. So I don't know the details of whatever say, legislation that you're talking about. I'm not but, saying all legislation he does is shitty because right. I think I've actually seen things that have come across the wire. Billy, like, all right. Like, is that terrible? I don't know. But there's other stuff that's just like intolerant. It's dog whistling a white supremacist. And here's the question I have for anybody who is Persian. Then we'll move on to a different topic. If you were in the middle of the country. <laughs> you love to ask this question. It's a real question. Do you think if you were next to, you know, Joe Bob in Alabama, what do you think the reception would be? It just all things equal. Don't talk about, like, politics, who you vote for. So, like, how could you align with a base that would essentially be like either, you know, get back to your country, you die a Muslim, and then you tell them, oh, no, I'm not Muslim, I'm Jewish. Like, fucking Jew. Like, that's what would probably would happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that people just have their, like, voting topics. So, like, I don't think that, like, that narrative is, like, shaping it. But there's probably policies that they care more about, like, you know, taxes. Like, like yeah. that's driving their thing that kind of aligns more with the conservative view. Which is ironic because I think the Persians actually have a gripe with taxes because a lot of them are probably hardworking, high-achieving in the United States. But the middle of America people who are, like, fucking damn Muslims or Jews, like, those people are fucking low tax brackets and probably would, would, would benefit from AOC being the president. Right. That's, I mean... Which is ironic. Yeah. Well, but it anyway, goes back to AOC. We'll go back to AOC. <laughs> <laughs> we start with AOC, we're going to end with AOC. All right, so... Let's go to where this friendship started. Yes. I feel like it's a movie, uh, a Bronx tale. I think it was after our freshman year of college. Uh, I had, like, a bunch of people from Long Island over to my parents' house, and you yes. noticed a copy of the Bronx tale. Yes. And we kind of bonded over the fact that it is such an awesome, underrated mob movie. It's underrated. And it's... I actually rewatched it again because I knew we were recording this podcast. It was just as good of a rewatch as it was initially. So good. There's there's premier actors in that movie, but you know, but Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. I mean, like people like who directed the, it. Okay, yeah. Chaz Palminteri. Chaz Palminteri is in it. Joe Pesci is almost like, a, like a side character. That's in it. true. He's not even the main character. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Caligaro's character is Lil Bron. Oh, what's his What's his real name? I forget. Yeah, he got name. in like legal trouble. Have, so. you, have you looked? Have you done a Wikipedia? I, I, I didn't. I've heard about it, but like I think I mean, he there did was bad like things. Attempted murder. I think he actually killed a guy. But it's a great movie. No, but he. Actually, it was like a drug addict, was in jail, got released, and now he's been like, he's a recovering addict for the last like decade. Oh my gosh. So now he's like, he's actually back. I don't, into don't ruin it for me because no, I love the no. movie so much. He's back into acting again. So he's actually better. Oh, so wow. I have a few notes from a Bronx stuff. But oh. yeah, that was where our friendship started. It is underrated. It came out in 1993. Yeah, people talk about like Goodfellas, Godfather, all great movies. And listen, Goodfellas is, is interesting because Goodfellas, Goodfellas is my favorite mob movie of all oh, time. Oh, wow. But Goodfellas really dives into the the, the, the throes of being in the mob. Like right. a lot, there's violence, there's sex, there's infidelity, like, all those things that are like elements of like how you come up as a gangster. The interesting part about the Bronx Tale is Caligaro's character essentially is a nine year old kid. Then he becomes a seventeen. It's almost like there's two different time periods. It's when he's nine, and when he's seventeen. Yeah, and it shows how he, you know, him coming of age 
with Robert De Niro. By the way, Robert De Niro's character in that movie, Lorenzo, yeah. Yeah. not a likable guy. No, I mean, he's like an old school dad, though. What do you mean no, not likable? No, he's he's, a, he's a hardworking <laughs> man. No, he's a hardworking bus driver. Well, he wanted his, yeah. Who well, tries to see his Not likable? But he's kind of, he's like, he's like a racist. He's like, I think we should marry our own kind. I mean, he's, he's old school. It's, it's a function of the times. I don't yeah, think but, he was. Uh, yeah, I, know, I know it takes place in the, in the 60s, but also he would not like, vote for AOC. He would not vote for AOC. He's probably <laughs> dead now, but his character's probably dead now anyway. Yeah. But, but I think also he was just like you know he he was confrontational like you know if you don't fuck with a mobster like like Sonny I know but he's looking after his protective instincts of f- fatherhood could have been a little bit more a little bit more nuanced about it I thought it was a great plot line about like you know Claude Janelle has like two educations one for it was you know and like almost like two dads to some extent so a few things so a few interesting notes about about Bronx then when we can move on from that so Fordham section of the Bronx is where yes. it, it takes place. Have you have you been up there? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great under for anybody who's not from New York. Arthur Ave. Arthur Ave. The Ave, real it's little a, Italy. It's better. It's less touristy. Totally. There's great pizzerias and restaurants, big shops. It's actually only 11 miles from our house. Do you know that? Yeah, I I, I love I love that area. Of the so Bronx. we take the kids a lot of times. We have a uh, a Bronx Botanical Gardens membership. Yeah, yeah. We the, go to the, the Bronx the zoo, zoo. Is right there. It's all there. It's from, an amazing from where you are. It's kind of like probably halfway from where you and you and I totally. are. Totally. Totally underrated. Awesome. So, yeah, so it's, that's interesting. So the collegial, based on his age, is born in 1951, which is the same age as my dad, around the same age as your mom and my mom as well, which is interesting. Um, some really good mafia characters in that that I wish they actually featured more. Which like you got you got Jojo the Whale, wow, Frankie Coffee Cake, yeah, that's oh wow, Danny Ko, Bobby Bars, yeah, like, it's just uh, Coffee Cake was the Jinx, right? No, that was Mush. Oh, Mush. So Mush is right. another one. That's so Mush right. is like kind of the the mob associate who would just like bet on anything and it would all be Coffee Cake was the guy who had the fucked up face. But there was real issues that they were talking about. Like the race was like a really, was a really underlying. In 1993, they really got in the forefront of that. I think um, it was great. There's actually a quick shout to another movie that I think is really worth watching, The say. Banker. Uh, I don't know. I was saying do the right thing. Oh, banker. The banker. It's I don't, again. I just heard about it. Underrated, um, but it's like a racial movie. It's like a, a, based on a out? true story. Samuel L. Jackson. So just watch it. It's on Apple TV. You're like, full of good recommendations. Don't tonight. don't ask. Don't question I'm watch it. it. Just watch it. I'm you will it. absolutely enjoy it. But I guess the the time there was like a good. You know, had a good racial kind of storyline. you and Daniela watch movies together? You guys watch different movies? We watch that media? one together. We have like our own stuff and we have together. We when, mainly try to stay together. When you watch your own stuff, how do you do it? When do you watch it? Because you're, you're navigating two young kids also. You yeah, like yeah. I guess I'd have to kind of like get to like the late night, right? Because she's like a little bit goes to sleep earlier than me. But I mean, right now we just started Ted Lasso together. Great show. Um, but definitely The Banker and, I, and right. I definitely think that that's one that you should watch together because I think Jen would appreciate it too. Okay. A couple other things I want your take on from, from The Bronx Tale. So, and sad, then we're going to the Knicks. Then we're going to the Knicks. Saddest thing in life, wasted talent. Do you agree with that quote? Um, I, I thought it was a great I quote. I thought it was just it was just like a message from the dad. But you're anti the dad, so you know. I mean, maybe it's it is, and like you know, I I just think that there's other is somebody the best because they have talent. I, I'd say no, because basically Robert De Niro, Lorenzo in that movie says Mickey Mantle is the best because he has the most talent. Really, I think hard work kind of trumps talent a lot of times, and. Uh, Situations, yeah, but I think the more positive spin is just like you know you want to live up to your potential. Like, you, so what are you fucking is this, this lawyer over here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the last thing we have to talk about, and we'll move on. The biker scene. Oh wow! I mean, also underrated the soundtrack of this Bronx Tale. Soundtrack is great. Yeah, exactly. And in particular, that that biker scene. Uh, now you can't leave. Now you can't leave. Yeah, but like one of the things rewatching that I remember just 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 that stuck out to me was the the guy who was the head of the biker group. So obviously, yeah. When 
when uh, Kalajira's narrating the thing, he's like, the fear in their faces, you can see, that they, they yes. kind of panic great, across shoulders. Great scene. Great scene. Yeah. You actually, before you, you, you see the fear of all of the bikers, eight or nine of them, yeah. they show the, the lead guy. Yeah. You see how scared he is before anybody even realizes what's going on. Yeah, so yeah. Wait a second. This guy just locked the door. Of this oh my god! And he's not doesn't give a fuck. He's not afraid of us. Yeah. Like what is what? Like right. what is the Something's wrong. Kill us. Something's wrong. Yeah. So that's just the classic. Great anyway. scene. So many great scenes. So so that Bronx Tale highly recommended. Thirty years still holds the test of time. It's not dated. Totally. Because it's a timepiece in and of itself. It's from 1960 and 1968. You, you don't watch it and think that it's dated. Bronx Tale and the Banker on Apple TV. All right, so let's move on to the Knicks. All right. Like, do we, uh, where do we start? I mean, I'm kind of like a jaded Knicks fan going back to like, it's been like over 20 years. So, uh, let's start with that because you've actually, you are, you and I were, were di- you and I are both obviously the same age. We're, we're three months apart. Right. We were, we came up in the, the, the Oakley, Ewing, Starks. Right. Anthony Mason, and then the, going up against Jordan, Reggie Miller, yep. like like yep. these rivalries, and going like to the finals in '94, '99. Like we were, that was when we were in elementary school to middle school to high school, right? And then who, what person zapped the life out of our Knicks fandom? I mean, I, I think we're referring to the Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, you know, horrible GM. Yeah, the same thing to me too. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it wasted like you know almost a decade of the Knicks, sets them back. Um, but I mean, it's been even longer than that. But though. it was so, hard to come back from that. He really set set us back. I mean, you could trace it back to Dolan potentially too. I mean, Dolan obviously it was the is the linchpin and all. Right, right. But Isaiah but, Thomas really like I don't know, like I I remember when I was starting to like sports. I was Knicks, Yankees, Jets, a little bit of Rangers. I'm not not a, as big of a hockey guy. But the Knicks were my number one team. Yeah, I mean, and you now know, they're easily my number three. They're distant three to the the Jets and the Yankees. And me. something great about the Knicks is that there's only one New York basketball team at the time, right? Yes. But like yes. it was the the Nets were in Jersey. New Jersey, and so it's like you know, Giants and Jets is a split, Yankees and Mets is a split. But like then the Knicks were rolling. I mean, yeah. everybody was behind them. The whole city, like the Garden, was rocking. But yep. it's been a long time since but, that happened. But I will say this Knicks team. I'm watching and watching them now. Yes, Jalen Brunson. Yeah. Yeah, um, agreed. You know, Julius Randle. They're roping me back in a little they're bit. They're roping me back in. Most I've been into the team probably since the late 90s. But I'm still jaded, though. And I think, again, I, everyone has every right to get excited about them. But I think their ceiling is oh, yeah. advancing out of the first round, maybe the second ceiling. round. Anybody so. who's realistic is like, they're not, you know, they're going to probably play the Cleveland in round one, in all likelihood. Right. They're, they're going to host a four, four or five matchup. And then essentially, like we're gonna end up playing Boston, Milwaukee, or the Sixers, the Sixers yeah, in the second and round, and probably don't have a. Chance no, I don't. I think that that's their best case. But lucky to take it to to six games. So people are people are optimistic. I mean, as they should be. They play hard. Brunson's great. Like, Julius Randle is playing the the lights out right 47 now. Forty seven to forty eight wins. It was a tough loss the other night against the T Wolves. They 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 were down. The T Wolves were shooting the lights out. They came back on the T Wolves, but then. Couldn't couldn't finish it, and obviously, like you know, having a West Coast trip where they won the final the final two games, and I guess the big question is, like, if you want to stay optimistic, you could say, hey, this is like, is this going to be a stepping stone to something else? So now, can they attract so. somebody else yeah. and like take a step from here? Like take this should not here. be the end all be all. It can't be, but yeah. but I think Brunson was a great signing. I think totally, he's, he's better. He's like he's a clear alpha guy. The question is like, well, what about another one? Is uh, underrated Josh Hart? I Josh think ever Hart, since what they a, what a traded trade for him, been. yeah. Like if you look he's at the record, guy. yeah, he's he a is. glue guy. He's a intent, he's a role player that has to be part of a championship team or t- championship run type of team. But as someone, I think people who are a little bit younger than us like didn't. 
I guess they're getting excited. Like for us who kind of grew up in the Patrick Ewing era making finals, you know, we wish we, they could have won one, but like they were like perennial contenders. My excitement is contained because like I'd totally. like to see them take the next step, like not be this like ceiling and then kind of regress, which is what we've seen over like the last 20 years. Totally. People talk about 94 being a, a tough year, that John Starks game six, yeah. that was brutal, yeah. game yeah. seven in Houston, yeah. that bullshit 2-3-2 format that's gone away now in the finals. They should have won that championship. I mean, 99, they were going as a shortened season against the Spurs. I guess Spurs. the Spurs were much better. They were not going to beat like Robinson Donkey. They should have even beaten the Pacers in the in the conference finals that year. But 94, like that could have been you our best chance. You know the year, though, I think that they, they like, there were two other years I think they kind of squandered a little bit. Oh, 97 and 98. Were those like Michael Jordan years, though? Those were Michael Jordan years. Yeah. Those were, it was like Allen Houston, those Allen Houston Knicks teams. Okay. So the 97 year was the year that P.J. Brown, they were up three games to one, flipped Charlie Ward, and then like oh wow, the, the, the series collapsed against the Heat. Yeah. Because I think they were a competitive team that year. Yeah, they had Pat won, Riley's Heat. Yeah, and actually, I'm, I'm thinking that might have been 98. It was, it was actually just one year. Right. They had beaten the Bulls in Chicago to end the regular season. They had won high 50s in games. Right. And then like didn't get to play them in the in the finals. Speaking of the Bulls, the did you watch finals. the uh, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan? Of course like, I did. Okay, yeah, that was awesome. Great series. Yeah. Great series. Um, um, and someone actually is just randomly an athlete that I've kind of become a little bit obsessed with. Like, I love Kobe. I don't know like, how much. Like, I've had like a real too. appreciation for Kobe. For and he was, so much. Yeah. To me, he's better than Le- he's better than LeBron. Uh I, I, I mean, he's won five championships. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't get into the debate. I just love him. He's just like such a fierce competitor. Fierce competitor. And then even Took like over games, totally. Like he has that killer instinct. So yeah. I just like have learned to like love Kobe. I've watched so many videos of him. And also, just speaking of you know fatherhood, like he, I mean, he was such an awesome father. He was, he, he, five he, kids, right? It was what a four, tragic end. Four yeah, kids. yeah, it's like horrible. But anyway, I, I want to give a give a shout to Kobe. Um, Rest in peace, Kobe. Yeah. Kobe was actually, when Kobe w- w- died in that tragic helicopter crash, that was the beginning of the shitty it times. It was. Of, like, COVID was about a month and a half later. So, totally. And I feel like that's one of those moments, I don't know about you, but I feel like you remember where you were remember, when. We were, like, we were on a hike uh, right, kind of like about a mile from our house right now. Right, right. And um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I remember. It's one of those moments, what right? What? What happened? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so sad, especially now as a parent. Yeah. And uh, actually, let's take one more quick break, and then we'll, we'll get into just a, a brief end thing about parent parent awesome all right so i mentioned we're going to uh end with some 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 parenting stuff here so um you know you and i obviously it's it's wild at this stage of our life we are first of all we're talking about the kobe thing do you think about like when you hear of like kind of tragedies happening like what it's like for the parents, yeah, and the kids, and and all that. So like, 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 just like I do. Obviously, yeah. I, you know, I've had compassion my whole life. When I was yeah. younger, you could you, like, but like, I think as a parent, it hits home. It does home, devastating. More. Yeah, absolutely. There's like a whole new understanding of like how devastating and how much it is. So, absolutely. And speaking of of like you know financial planning and stuff, like well, a topic that's uncomfortable, but people really have to think about, are it's estate planning, life insurance, and a lot of people I, I think don't want to. Face it, it's it's a black swan type of event, but 
But to have, you know, who are who are going to be your guardians if you're, if you, God forbid, if you and your I wife, think it's wife, important. I think to establish that to have the will. I mean, a lot of people. I, I think it's an easy thing to do. Uh, it's cost effective, and I think yeah, it's not just about like protecting assets, but it's yeah, like guardianship and like yeah, you totally. have to talk about some pretty somber things. Yeah, and it's not always just straightforward. Oh, you know, parents will raise the kids or siblings. Like if you don't have a relationship that's good. Could be a little bit more nuanced than that. Or if you, or you don't have a relationship that well, even if it's like you might love your parents, but it's like, you know, at what age? Like you have to think about that kind of. You have to have a lot of serious conversations about. Totally, that. very depressing conversations, yeah. like to have, figuring out those decisions. But I think they're important to do Definitely. and uh, easy to do. Easy to do. But uh, on, a, on a more on a, on a lighter note. Um, yeah, I was going to say we're ending up. No, so, right, no, yeah. no, no, no. So you have a. Fi- so what are the challenges? What are the like? So give me some some funny stories or. What challenges are you facing right now with your big guy and your little guy at this point? Uh, I mean, you're in the you're in the top, for somebody who has a uh, almost five year old and a two and a half year old. I mean, that's a those are challenging ages for 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 kids. Yeah, I mean, I feel like What's it, going it on does. Right I now? will say it gets easier as like you know it was easier now than it was a year ago. Like now they're becoming like buddies and they're like playing together and so which is like really nice and like special to see. I think like earlier on like they'd kind of fight and bicker and there's like a little bit more jealousy, but uh, so I think that's that's been great. Um, yeah, my older one. Um, starts kindergarten this year? Uh, next year. Next year. Yeah, next year he starts kindergarten. Um, I, I love. I play war with him now. It's actually a great card game. So I, I love cards. I love competing. I love playing games. I see a little bit of that in me. It's actually a good game. You could kind of learn like numbers like and stuff that. like that. I think I, I tried playing with Eloise before. I think she was into it. Yeah, I think I think it's a great like starter game. And yeah. then like we're we're kind of like branched out. We play like memory. So we like you know have pairs of cards and you got to memorize. Yeah. So I think it's like stimulating mentally. Um, but yeah, I'm very much like the play dad. So I'm like I used to be a camp counselor. So I just try to like. Keep them entertained, you know. Play with like, uh, play with them as much as we can. Danielle's a little bit more the like disciplinary one, uh, which is a good mix. Okay. What about you? What, what you know? What you're three? I mean, what about that? What about the change from two to three? Here's what I'll say. So, so in the beginning, I was like, oh, it's kind of you know, it's like you're juggling a ball. You just throw one into the mix. By the time you're about a year into three kids, you're fucking <laughs> exhausted. Oh wow. And it's just uh, what, were you not exhausted with two? Two is exhausting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the jump from two to three is not as jarring, in my opinion. No. As zero to one. Okay. Or you know, one to two. We, you know, when we had Emmy, it was uh, the beginning of COVID, so it kind of masked some of the challenges that might happen because we happened. We, we were home all the time for the first six, seven months, anyway. Um, but I will say, with three, I don't know. Like two is exa- two is is jarring. So what was the biggest? You said zero to one was like the biggest like to shock me. to you. Yeah. For me, it was actually one to two. One to two. Because zero to one, like I was ready. Like we were, we're just like this is a huge change. Then I was like, well, we already have the infrastructure in place. Like everything we have the creative. True. It's like, yeah. What's the second one? And then I was like, whoa. Like I think that was well. A yours big change. are closer in age than than our first and second one. Yeah. Second and th- maybe some of that's it too because um, e- Eloise and Emmy are three and a half years apart. Three right. years and eight months. Emmy and Rock were twenty three months apart. Right. So like I don't know. Like like part of it's just like so with three the challenges are like you're constantly you're, you're just getting asked questions and being talked to or like <laughs> yelled at all the time. But so zero to one was the biggest change. Was it a bigger change from one to two or two to three? That's a good question. I 
I think uh, F now the biggest, having three for a year, two to three was bigger than one to two. Okay, gotcha. I would say that. But I will say, I think the biggest, even before zero to one, was zero to dog. Oh, wow. Bruno. Bruno was like, it's just like taking care of somebody. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, but you're saying that's a bigger change from a zero to one so, kid? Because, having a dog? Because, yeah, you had like, I don't know. We had like, once we were like, oh, we have to take care of somebody else. Like anybody who's out there whose spouse is using the argument, like we should get a dog. It's good practice for kids. And anybody who's the other person saying bullshit, it's not bullshit. Right. There's something to that for sure. Interesting. Because you're just taking care of another life. You have to think about it. if you travel. You're just thinking about a lot of different elements of things. But I will say with three, the t- it's just like getting yelled at by different people, getting demanded, especially in, situ- like, in situations, and Jen, I'll say, always say this to Jen, like I want to avoid as much time during the day where it's one on three. Right, wow. It's just too hard. Of a, it's just a hard situation to deal with. And like it happens. It's going to naturally happen during the day, during the week. Somebody takes a workout class. Right. Somebody gets stuck at a work thing. And it's going to happen. Is, but the, it's all- is the ham fam done at three? We're done. Okay. We're done. We're actually, I'm looking at medical procedures to uh, okay. solidify that. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, you know, like, like, like it's different. Like, I, you know, I had Jen and I are four years apart. You and Danielle are, are even, even a, a bigger spread than that. But like, you know, Jen is 38 this year. I'm, we're 42. Like I, I'm fine with, I think having the third at Rocco, I was 40 when, when we had Rocco. Right. That's good. Yeah. I think that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, and you like, got a boy. So, got a boy, you know, you two got girls, both. balances out some of the energy. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, how uh, is a uh, so potty is potty was what's going on? You're your little guy in potty training. Is yeah. Is so, he's in the process right now. I think our first it's choppy, one, right? Yeah. The first one was like we, we dedicated a weekend, three yeah. days. We did it. So, like, we've been dragging our feet a little bit on, on the second one, but I think that's like where we're at right now. For anybody who's not a parent out there, is a parent, like, you better be, get real comfortable with shit. And like bodily fluids. Oh, uh, it's not that bad, is it? I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're changing back to back diapers yeah, for kids, at yeah. times it could be. Yeah. So yeah. I, I know you probably had a smaller period of time dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, by the time, one. yeah, there's a little bit of an age gap. So, like, but, um, I don't know, it's great, man. Having kids is awesome. I mean, like, I will say with each kid, you probably feel this way from going from one to two. You're like, how can I love somebody as much as I love this person? Right. You it it, it happens. Yeah. It's, it's like it's the same kind of love. It, it, it multiplies. It's but, not like. But going out. back to what we started, it's it's a lot of work to it's balance work. all of it. And if, if people are being honest, you know, with everything else they got going on. But again, total, totally fulfilling. But I think as they get older, you kind of see people like few years from now like oh it's, it's like a lot yeah years. yeah we're in the thick of it. Yeah, like we're in the thick of it. I, I, you hear like and, and I get pissed off when I hear when I'm when I'm when I and our neighbors are great. They have a 16 year old and a 13. We become pretty good friends with them. I'm not saying that they're like this because they actually, I think, remember when it was kind of the challenging times. But you'll hear from other people in that. So they're like in their late 40s. Yeah. You'll hear other people in that demographic, like late 40s. Like, it's like, oh, I wish I could go back. It's like, fuck you. Well, I don't know. I mean, you might be that one, that person. How I do you know? know like, you, you know, like, right now, like, like, yeah. how much you get, like, like, do you want to go back to your six and a half year old is like, tired and falling off the couch and trying to ask you to go outside and annoy that you can't go out she can't go outside because you have to deal with your little guy inside who's like yeah. trying to like you know, literally like pull dog food at, and eat dog food out of the dog's bowl right. and stick his hand in toilet water right the right. middle one's yelling because she's uh, it's just there's just a lot going on that's uh, that's where we started this this whole pod here a lot going on uh, been a pleasure. I think Dude, we talked about a lot of good. Thanks for thanks for being on. We talked a lot of good topics. And uh, start your five twenty nine plans. Invest in a low cost S and P index. Set it and forget it. That's the moral of the story. And listen, don't be a stranger. And uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna organize. I know we, we have talks about a jackal's dinner. 
That's that's advantageous. I'm always in on those. Yeah, sorry, fucking, you're you're the, the yeah. one city guy yeah. left. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. I am the last. I know groom. Uh, the other. That's one. right. Yeah, that's we got right. one M- other M- one. M M M. Yeah, M is uh, in, in the city. But like, yeah, you, two of you guys are in the city. It's great. So that's a central meeting spot. But I'm gonna invite you guys out. Okay, you to know our uh, to our our uh, what one of our our club maybe this. Wow, summer. you you are bougie. bougie. You said you started saying that you're not bougie. That is a bougie way to end. I mean, it's just a nice. It's gonna. Be, uh, I think it's gonna be a nice day. It'll be obviously. Tr- uh, treated treat, uh, you know kind of treat pa- some drinks some dinner uh, okay well some, maybe maybe like a sunset or something i look forward to it I, so. I, I'm, I'm i'm putting myself on the hook now we're gonna do that this summer that's gonna be the plan i'm not gonna do fucking golf golf is a waste of time yeah and uh, you know there's tennis you know i'm there, there but tennis there's okay a, a tennis there but we'll we'll figure it out but that that's not, i'm gonna plant the seed for that for the summer but anyway man thanks so much for joining and Pleasure. uh yeah it's been great thank you for having me take care man let up Hammer rant number one. I'm going to say something very bold. And I realize this is, a, this is a hot take. This is something that most people who are contemporaries are not going to agree with. Most probably U.S. citizens are not going to agree with this take. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. Chinese food is overrated. You know, Jen feels the same way too. Chinese food is, is cuisine that we have in our house at most one or two times a year. And listen, we're not people that are, you know, meat and potatoes, only American food people at all. When we have ethnic food across the, that runs, runs the gamut across the board in our rotation in our house. We have Indian food often. We have Thai food. We have sushi. We have, you know, all kinds of, of just, just assortment. Obviously, Italian food being Italian-American. We, we go to French restaurants. We're all over the place. Turkish restaurants, Greek, Middle Eastern. But a Chinese food to me... Just not into it. Not into it at all. I don't feel good after I eat it. I think it's, it's not good reheated. And I'm not talking about like, you know, the, the basic Americanized Chinese food only. I'm even talking about food that you go into Chinatown. I can tell you a story. When I was in my mid-20s, my parents had family friends. And we met for like a, a brunch in Chinatown and got soup dump, dumplings. They were like shark dumplings. And man, after a night going out the night before, I almost threw up eating this food. And I'm somebody who's, who's willing to try a lot of different types of cuisines, but I just, I'm just not into Chinese food. I'm not, and I have Chinese American friends, you know, you could probably show me the way I, I'm not to say, I'm not to say it, I'm, it's, it, it's, it, you're incapable of impressing me with a good Chinese spread, but as an overall cuisine type, it gets a lot of fanfare. You know, if you're Jewish, it's a staple on, on Christmas day. It's one of the only places that's open. Um, we, my, my, growing up, I had it all the time. Maybe that's part of the problem. Growing up, I probably had it, um, every Friday night, I think, or at least every other Friday night, but I'm just not into it. I think, so my, my, my hammer rant number one here, which is not going to be popular is that Chinese food, Americanized or not is overrated. Hammer rant number two, I'm coming in hot with this one. Okay. So I am not trying to attack anybody's livelihood. And I know I've mentioned in previous episodes that during the spring season and pretty much like you're talking about March through November in the, in at least this part of the country, there's a constant flow of landscaping trucks, particularly in affluent communities. They're all over the road. You know, you're going to be stuck behind them often. They're slow. They have all the equipment in the back. It's a little bit of a nuisance. I'm going to admit it's a first world problem. It's a bougie good thing to complain about, but I'm going to take it a step further. Right, I don't want to attack anybody's livelihood at all. Again, but 
I think that there should be blackout days and blackout times of the day or times of the week for landscaping. Because, man, I don't know if I'm noticing it now, kind of in like a post-COVID world where there is a remote element where you're working from home, you know, at least one, two, maybe three days a week on average. Um, and you're seeing, you're just, you're having to kind of navigate the sound of leaf blowers and lawnmowers and, every, and everything that you do. And, you know, if you're, if you are working from home, you might have the ability to take some calls outside sometimes. And it's a big disruption and it's kind of annoying. It's like every day of the week and like, no, nobody's on this exact same schedule. Pretty much every day of the week, a landscaper is out there blowing leaves, making noise somewhere in one of the houses that surround you. Unless you live, you know, where you have a ton of space between your house and another house and, Again, not everybody has landscapers. Some people mow their own grass. But in, in a town where Ireland, which is an affluent town with, with a high population density, there are landscaping trucks constantly all over the place. And it is annoying. And listen, on a Saturday afternoon, unless there's a special kind of project that needs to be done and it's discussed, I don't want to see my, my landscapers in our yard, right? You got, you got two kids under the age of four. They, they ideally both take naps for a few hours. It's a time that we get a respite, Jen and I, during the, during the, during the weekend. Like, I don't want to hear, you know, I don't, like, like, it just happened last weekend or two weekends ago. Rocco's trying to take a nap on a Saturday. And because they, they decided to do spring cleanup now early, that all of a sudden, like, you know, he's not napping and he's a disaster for the rest of the day. So my hammer ran here. Again, I want to be sensitive to the businesses. And I understand these guys have to make a living. But there's got to be, like, I don't know if this has to be coordinated from towns or whatnot. There's got to be certain days and certain parts of, the, of, of neighborhoods where you just can't have landscaping being done. All right, call me. Call, maybe that's not practical. It's unrealistic. You know, hit me up if that's not. If I'm, being, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm missing something here. But my rant here is the fact that we need to have blackout periods for, for landscaping and gardening. Hammer rant number three. So, Jen, my wife. Uh, it's funny. She's one of the funniest people that I know. Truth be told, some of you guys might follow her on Instagram and social media. She obviously, she's a spirituality teacher. She's very Zen and she's a beautiful woman that is 37 going on 38, but gets mistaken for being younger all the time. So, so this isn't an envy thing from her when she says this, but when she's referring to anybody who's young, who's, who's probably five or more years younger than her, whether they are 31 or 25 or 16, they're 12 year olds, right? It's a catch all term for anybody that's young and kind of like a little, little green, a little wet behind the ears, if you will. And sometimes I'm finding it now as we're getting older. So she's turning 38 this year. I'm going to be 42. I find it hard to, to know like what age demographic she's talking about. She's like, oh, there was a 12 year old driving a car. And, and sometimes it's not literally a 12 year old. It could be a 16 year old that just got their permit or their license, or it could be somebody who's 25, 26, who's like a 12-year-old who's kind of naive that one of us work with or <coughs> take a workout class with or something like that, they're also a 12-year-old. So, so the term 12-year-old by her, it could get confusing because it really runs the gamut for at this point and counting 15 plus, 16 plus years of actual age, at, at least that. So be interesting to see how this term evolves as, as we both get older now, as we both kind of are progressing to the middle age territory. So um, my, my rant here is I'm having a hard time, honey, trying to discern between the, an age of somebody when you're using the slang phrase of, or the slang term, that's a 12-year-old. All right, hammer rant number five. So we live in an age where everybody's always on their phone. Probably for better, for worse, probably more for worse. 
we probably could all stand to unplug a little bit at times, but there's so much of our lives that are in our phones. There are cameras, there are calendars, there are a communication tool, there's all, you know, there, there, there are a laptop or a place that you could check your work email. There's, there's, they, they could be a compass. They could be, uh, there's all, there's all, I, I could go on and on with the, the multifunctional aspect of, of an iPhone or, uh, the, the, or the equivalent these days. But I don't, I cannot say when I, when there's somebody that's checking their iPhone in a premium parking spot, all right? When you get in a car and it's, you're in a crowded parking lot, unless there's a, Absolute dire emergency, which shouldn't happen that often, even in, in the, the the grand scheme of people that we might interface with during the course of a day. Like, I don't want to see you checking your phone. Have some awareness. Have some courtesy. Get out of the parking spot. Pull to an area where you're not disrupting the flow of traffic or somebody waiting, and then check your phone. Right? The checking in a premium spot when somebody has their signal on, especially, is infuriating. It is absolutely infuriating. And then the other thing too, which I, I know I've had hammer ran on this recently. Whenever I'm honking at somebody at a green light, 99% of the time they're on their phones. Listen, I like to do it too sometimes. A traffic light, as much as sometimes we get impatient about how long it's taking, even the longest lights are no more than a minute and a half or two minutes. You know, most lights are under 30 seconds, so it's not a time to be checking your phone. So my my rant here, rant number five, is stop checking your phone in premium parking spots or when you're on the road and you're actively driving. Thanks for listening to the Chris Hamm Podcast. Please make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please rate and review me. And finally, please follow me on Twitter, at Chris N. Hamm. Your support and feedback are incredibly valuable. Tell your friends, family, colleagues, spread the word. Take it easy, friends.